So we go, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So what we see as we've journeyed through Hebrews chapter 11, we're seeing this, this kind of hall of faith, these different characters through, through, uh, through the book of Genesis so far and up to this point, who, who have, by faith, they've, they've done this or they've done that or they've followed God in this way or they've, they've done all these different things. And we get to this point and we see as the writer moves on from Abraham, who he spent quite a long time talking about, he briefly mentions Isaac, Abraham's son, Jacob, who's Isaac's son, and Joseph, who's one of Jacob's sons. And we can see, as, as he mentions them, we're taking forward again through the book of Genesis, through this continuing story of this family. And we see these three interesting and certainly imperfect characters, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, Isaac, through the Genesis story, we don't hear a great deal about after he goes up the mountain with Abraham. Jacob, we see this massive roller coaster of ups and downs, which Dan referred to last week. And then Joseph, we see this perhaps unwise young man going on about his dreams to his brothers. But then this epic journey of exploits of faith. And perhaps... Even for all of them, we can imagine hearing perhaps different by-faith statements. For example, by faith, Isaac, as a young boy, went up the mountain with his father Abraham. By faith, Jacob wrestled with God. But Joseph particularly, we could see, well, by faith, Joseph... God, through Joseph, rescued the whole land of, of Egypt from famine and the whole family of Israel. But actually, our author here focuses on these three seemingly, perhaps to us, small events at the end of each of their lives. All of them. Isaac, bless Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Jacob, when he was dying bless Joseph's sons and he worshipped Joseph when his end was near spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones so why what do we see we're going to have a quick look through each of these characters and then we're going to come back and see what I think almost as a whole what the what the author is is showing us as we walk through Hebrews chapter 11. So what do we see? Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. As I said, after the, the mountain incident where Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain and he's about to sacrifice him and God says, no, Abraham, stop. And we read through that story, Isaac's chatting away to his father. Abraham, father, where's, where's the sacrifice? After that incident, 
We don't hear a great deal about Isaac. We hear that Abraham gets him a wife, Rebecca, from among, from, from among Abraham's family, his people, not from the Canaanites where they were living. We read that Isaac has twin boys, Esau and Jacob, and we hear this story in Genesis 25 of these two babies seemingly fighting in their mother's womb, and Rebecca's thinking, what on earth is going on? And God tells her in, in Genesis 25 and verse 23, 25 and verse 23. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. So this is interesting introduction to Esau and Jacob, but again, there's not a lot said about Isaac. We hear that Isaac favoured Esau for this reason of Esau went hunting. Isaac liked the meat. So Isaac favours Esau. We, we see that Isaac repeats a mistake that Abraham made and he goes to Abimelech and says, uh, well, Rebecca, if they know you're my wife, we might have a bit of a problem, so say you're my sister. And he repeats this problem and, and Abimelech finds out eventually, but, but through all of that, God reiterates his promise to him. The promise he's given to Abraham before we see in Genesis 26 and verse 3, God reiterates the promise to Isaac. Genesis 26 verse 23. That's not right. Genesis 26 verse 3. There's no 23 there. Verse 3. God says to him, stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. You see, see, God's blessing Isaac. He's saying, no, no, that promise I gave to Abraham, I'm giving to you as well. It's carrying on. And we see that after the Abimelech uh, the incident with Abimelech. Abimelech comes to Isaac and sees and says, look, we could see God was blessing you. God is with you. So whatever's happening with Isaac, people around him can see God is with you. God is blessing you. And he prospers in the land. But we don't hear, I'll still reiterate, we don't hear an awful lot about him. And that's what, this is kind of all we see of him. Before we come to this, that the writer to the Hebrews picks up on, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. We come to the blessing of Jacob and Esau, which the writer says, by faith, Isaac blessed them. Well, let's turn to that story in Genesis 27. It's an interesting story. And one in which you don't immediately see faith. If you're familiar with it, let's get to Genesis 27. You will know in the, uh, in the NIV it's entitled Jacob takes Esau's blessing. That gives us, the, uh, gives us the clue. But we see this story 
Esau, the oldest son, is in line to get his father's blessing. The one who his father loves. He's the one who he favors. And uh, Isaac sent Esau out, go and get some of this wild game that I like. Verse 2 in verse 27, I'm now an old man. I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow. Go into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. This is what Isaac's planning to do. Isaac's got this plan. Esau's going to make me some food, then I'm going to bless him. But of course, then it, as it goes on, then we see, ah, Rebecca is listening. Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. And as the story goes on, we see this is exactly what they do. Jacob goes and gets the goats. Rebecca makes the food. Jake, then they think, oh, well, okay, Esau's... We have this can sound almost comical thing. Like Esau's really hairy, so I'm going to have to somehow get past that. So Jacob's got the goat skins on him and he's, he goes into his father and pretends to be Esau. And Isaac, Isaac's kind of got some kind of clue something's going on. It's like, I'm not really sure this seems quite right, but, he, but it, Isaac can't really see anymore. He's, got, he's gone blind, he, he, but he can kind of hear this, this son talking to him, and then he can feel him, and he's like, well, it feels like Esau, but it sounds like Jacob. I'm not really sure, but then he asks him directly. Jacob goes to his father in, in verse 18. He went to his father and said, My father? Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? I am Esau, your firstborn. This is Jacob, just lying directly to his father. And we can go through this story. Eventually, Isaac blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. Rebecca and Jacob have kind of come together and tricked him. And he's blessed Jacob, thinking he's Esau. And Esau comes in later. It's like, oh, here I am, I've come back with the game. Can I have my blessing now? And Isaac, in verse 32, well, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. And we see at this point, Isaac trembles violently and says, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. We'll come back to that verse in a minute. It gives us a bit of a clue as to, to, to why the author to the Hebrews can then come and say, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. It looks like it's just a big trick. Isaac wanted to bless Esau and Jacob and Rebekah sorted out, we'll get you in there first, so that you get the blessing. If you need to lie to him, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. But the writer to the Hebrews tells us, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to his future, their futures. 
Well, firstly, Isaac has faith to bring a big blessing. Genesis 27, verses 27 to 29. This is what he says over Jacob, thinking it's Esau, but nevertheless. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Isaac brings a big blessing. I would suggest Isaac's believing God. God's got big promises for us as a family. God's got big promises that he is going to see through. I'm going to bless my son in this. Isaac has faith to bring bring a big blessing. But secondly, Isaac has faith not to try and change what happened. He could have tried to change it. Esau comes in, and you hear that Isaac's trembling violently. What has happened? This isn't what I want. This isn't what I planned. Could have tried to change it. Esau's my firstborn. Esau's my favorite. Jacob, how dare you? You lied to me. You cheated your brother. He could have done that. He could have fudged it. You see, Esau goes on to plead. He's, he's like... Uh, where are we, where are we, where are we? In verse 38, Esau goes on to say, Esau says to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. Can't you bring, in effect, can't you bring another big blessing for me? You've given the blessing to Jacob, but can't they, couldn't you just say kind of the same thing again? He could have fudged it. Yeah, oh, of course, Esau. Jacob's going to be blessed mighty, but, but so are you. But actually what we see, and what the writer to the Hebrews is picking up, is he doesn't try and change it. He doesn't try and fudge it. He recognizes the plan of God. Brought about through a not particularly uplifting series of events. But he understands, no, now it's starting to drop. Through Jacob it is going to be. Perhaps at this point he remembers what God has said to Rebekah right when the children were born. Two nations are warring in your, inside you. The older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. Perhaps. But Isaac in this moment, albeit that he seemed, it's just been turned around, it's not what he wanted, it's not what he wanted at all, has the faith to submit to God's plan. He sees in all of this the sovereign will of God. The God who promised Abraham and who has reiterated that promise to him. Isaac effectively says, I'm trusting God's choice and he has chosen Jacob. So that verse that I stumbled upon, I I read probably slightly too early. In verse uh, 33. He's replying to Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. 
He's not going to change it now. He knows this is what God is going to do. We see with Isaac, we don't see a lot about him. But in this moment, we see it's not my choice. It's not what I would have done, but I am going to trust God. I'm going to trust in his sovereign plan and what he has chosen to do. By faith, Isaac submits to God's will. Okay. Hebrews 11.21, we see Jacob. We've already seen a bit of Jacob. Not perhaps in a particularly good light. But Hebrews 11.21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Well, perhaps in contrast with Isaac, Lot seems to go on with Jacob. We see plenty of ups and downs through the book of Genesis. It's somewhat of a roller coaster of a ride. We see Jacob gets his name because he was born grasping Esau's heel. So Esau comes out and you can see, oh, hang on, there's another baby holding on to him. Jacob is grasping Esau's heel. But in Hebrew, grasping the heel means something along the lines of to take advantage of or to deceive. So Jacob gets this name and we can see already as, as we've looked at the story of Isaac uh, blessing Esau and Jacob, if we'd looked at verse 36, we see Esau says in chapter 27 verse 36, Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. So we see, yeah, Rebecca and Jacob together kind of conspire and take advantage to get hold of the blessing. We have seen, if we've looked, sorry, previously in Genesis 25, we see this interesting story where neither Jacob or Esau particularly come off particularly well. That Esau refers to there, that he takes his birthright. So we have one day, verse 29 of uh, Genesis 25, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. That's why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, hang on a minute, let's think about this. First sell me your birthright. Esau, not particularly wisely, Look, I'm about to die. I'm so famished. What good is the birthright to me? And so he, sell, he swears an oath to Jacob. Oh, yeah, I'll, give me your, I'll give you my birthright if, as long as you'll give me some of that stew. So we see Jacob taking advantage of Esau. Esau not being very clever. But we see this. He takes advantage of Esau there. With his mother, he deceives him in getting the blessing from Isaac. From all we see up to that point, we see a not particularly likable character. And we see as the story progresses, he goes to work for his uncle Laban. But as we said, this is a, this is a story of big ups and downs. On the way to working for Laban, he has this... Uh, what would be quite a famous dream of a stairway coming down from heaven, angels going up and down on the stairway. And as, as he looks and sees this dream, God reiterates the promise again to him. 
Genesis 28, 13. There above it, this staircase, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. He's on his way to work for his uncle Laban and then we see as he works for Laban, he gets deceived by Laban. He's working for Laban and Laban says, well, what, what could your wages be? Well, 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 give me your daughter Rachel as a wife. And Laban said, oh yeah, that's, yeah, this sounds like a good plan. Yeah, okay. And we come to the wedding day and they have the wedding night and the, the bride is all kind of veiled up and he gets to the morning, he finds out, wait a minute, this isn't Rachel. This is her older sister Leah. So he's deceived by Laban. You've seen he's kind of deceived Esau. Now he's being deceived by Laban. He worked hard for Laban. He worked another seven years to, 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 to get Rachel for his wife as well. He's got Leah and Rachel as his wife. He works in a total of 20 years for Laban. And what he says in Genesis 31, verse 41, he said, I've worked hard for 40 years. 40 years? Where have I got that from? It was 20 years a minute ago. For 20 years, it was like this. For the 20 years I was in your household, I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. So he's done this, he's worked hard for Laban. He's, he's done well working for Laban. Laban's just kind of, oh, I'll, I'll do this. No, actually, let's change it. Let's change it again. Let's keep changing it. Messing him about. We see that ends with seemingly Laban and Jacob kind of trying to take advantage of each other as to who's going to get the sheep at the end of the day. And they come up with this agreement that jo- Jacob, Jacob, we're still on Jacob, Jacob will take the speckled and the speckled and striped sheep, the ones who aren't completely pure white sheep, and the, the speckled and striped goats. And Laban says, okay. And then Laban goes and takes all the speckled and striped and blemished sheep and goats out of the flock but then Jacob comes up with this plan that I don't really know how it works he comes up with this plan and he gets a a branch and he makes it striped and he puts it in the water and then all the sheep produced offspring that was speckled and striped it was anyway you can read the story but they're both kind of fighting over who's going to get the sheep how's it going to work It's all ups and downs. It's all, oh, I'm not really sure I like how, how you're being. What are you, Jacob, are you really a very likable character? I'm not sure. What's going on? Oh, you've had this amazing encounter with God. What's going on? And then he heads back to see his brother Esau. And then we see this other incredible event in chapter 32, which concludes in, he wrestles with this man all night, and it concludes with, uh, in Genesis 32, 28, with the man saying, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. 
And Jacob says in verse 30, Jacob calls the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob has this incredible encounter. It's an incredible thing. Incredible event. And the promise is reiterated again and again, and he's given this new name. Jacob, you're not, not going to be Jacob the deceiver. Jacob, the one who takes advantage. Jacob, Jacob, you're going to be Israel. I'm naming you. And reiterates the promise. I'm going to give you a nation. The nations are going to be blessed. I'm going to give you this land. There's lots of ups and downs. And we haven't even got to talking about his sons. So he marries Leah and he marries Rachel and there's great rivalry between the two, two wives. And firstly, Leah's, Leah has children and Rachel's really jealous and then Rachel's obviously Jacob's favourite, so Leah's jealous. And all these different sons are born to different ones, Leah and Rachel and their servants. And Jacob has these 12 sons, of which Joseph is his favourite. Joseph is the firstborn to Rachel, born in Jacob's old age. And as the story goes on, we'll see, again, I'm only being able to summarise very briefly. You can read all this through in, in, in these chapters of Genesis. But we come effectively to the story of Joseph. Jacob gives Joseph this wonderful coat. Joseph has all these dreams which he thinks is a good idea to tell his brothers about when it's talking about his brothers bowing down to him. The story will eventually come to the point where Jacob will have to see his favourite son presumed dead, actually sold into slavery, but presumed dead and gone. In the interim, you can read of other episodes with his sons, Judah and his daughter-in-law, Tamar, the slaughter of the Shechemites. You can read them up. Just different things that are going on, that just, what is going on in my life, Jacob's life? Before years later, the truth of the betrayal by the brothers comes to light. They're reunited in Egypt. Joseph's still alive. Joseph's alive. He's in Egypt, and he's saving us. God's saving us through him. And we read Hebrews eleven twenty one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. We see that in the very end of Genesis 47 and then into Genesis 48. In fact, Jacob, Jacob tells Joseph at the end of chapter 47, don't bury me here. Bury me in, in the land that we've been promised. And J Jacob worshipped, Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And then he comes to bless Joseph's sons. Why are we drawn to this? I suggest we see that Jacob recognises God's faithfulness. Again, Dan mentioned this last week, all these ups and downs, all this journey, this 
deceit and being deceived, the, the fighting, the infighting and amongst his family, all the stuff that's gone on, Joseph presumed dead, now reunited here. Jacob recognizes God's faithfulness through the years. And he gets to bless Joseph's sons. Joseph, who he thought was dead, and he worships. You see, where there could have been bitterness, look how it all went wrong. Joseph, what have your brothers done? How, how have I let it come to this? Rather, we see that Jacob remembers God's promise. We see as he comes to bless Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, in chapter 48, verse 3, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. He remembers the promise of God. And in blessing Manasseh and Ephraim, he's drawing them into that promise. He's drawing them in, in fact, they'll forever be remembered as two of the tribes of Israel. Joseph, in effect, has two tribes. And he blesses, as he blesses Joseph's sons, this is his focus. God promised, and I see now, he will do it. I believe him. Look at, I can look back on all the stuff I've been through, up and down and up and down, and all the mess I've made of things. And yet I can see God is keeping his promises. And he blesses Manasseh and Ephraim. He's praising the God who rescues him. He's giving God the glory. He's blessing Joseph's sons, catching them up into the same promise. What does he say to them? He blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers... Sorry, this is... Genesis 48, verse 15. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac watched faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Joseph's, Joseph, Jacob is caught up by the fact, look what God has done. Look how God has seen us through. You could think, well, obviously he's going to bless Joseph and his sons because Joseph saved him. Joseph's done the, the business. But he's not, this is no human pandering to Joseph. Oh, my favorite son, you saved us. How can I repay you? In fact, in the midst of blessing his sons, he's actually annoying Joseph, if we read on in verse 17, because Joseph's brought... Manasseh is firstborn to stand by his father's right hand and Ephraim, the second son, to stand by his father's left hand so that, as was the custom, his right hand would fall on Manasseh, the firstborn, the one, he's the firstborn, he's the one who's going to get the greater blessing. Oh no. Jacob comes and puts his hands the other way around. No, no, Joseph, this is the way it's going to be. No, no, I'm not going to do it the way you... You want to just because that's what you want. I'm following God. I'm listening to him. This is what God's saying. It's not a human pandering to say, oh, Joseph, I owe everything to you. It's all about you. No, it's all about God. 
You see, we see Jacob's faith through a simple act, through a simple, and all that that represents, all it means. God has seen me through, and now God's going to take you on. Ephraim, Manasseh, you're caught up into this now too. This is what God's going to do. I can see now God keeps his promises. God is faithful. He sees it in his old age. Okay, Joseph as well. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. I see we've already said even more so with Joseph. So much, you would think, could be written by faith, by faith, by faith. You see, Joseph received dreams from God. We see this massive dramatic story. We can see by faith, Joseph kept his integrity in Potiphar's house and he didn't give in to the, to the approaches of Potiphar's wife, even to the point of being thrown in prison. Even in the midst of prison, he's, he's given interpretations of dreams by God for the butler and the baker, the, the cupbearer and the baker. Butler and baker sounds a bit too much like happy families or something. Um, and then, of course, he's brought, finally, the cupbearer remembers him and he's brought out and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and he, he saves the whole land. There's going to be famine, but we can prepare for this. We can do this. God's, God will give us away. We'll, take, we'll, we'll store up food during the good time. And we see nations flocking to Egypt. We see, obviously, Jacob and Joseph's brothers coming, and Jacob coming eventually saves them because he's heard from God, this is what's going to happen. But again, the writer to the Hebrews draws us to his end. We see this is just after actually, again, another wonderful example of faith. He's forgiven his brothers. Genesis 45 and verse 4. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done this, done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt's. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for sending me here because it was to save lives that God sent me here ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. And wonderfully in chapter 50, those uh... No, I'm not finding exactly what I was expecting. Sorry, because I'm looking at the wrong verse. 50 verse 19. Words we might often hear, perhaps out of out of context, but it's wonderful truth. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
Joseph understands God's plan. Joseph understands God's got hold of a big picture that is meant, actually, it's all for good, that I came to Egypt and now you've come to Egypt. But the writer of the Hebrews shows that we see Joseph's faith in the fact that he didn't see that as an end in itself. Oh yeah, of course, I've done my job, I've got them to Egypt. No, what does he say? By faith, Joseph, when his end, his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. We see that right at the end of Genesis. Genesis 50, verse 24 and 25. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land and to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. As we f- focus in and finish with Joseph, what we're drawn to is what the writer of the Hebrews is doing all the way through this chapter, drawing us to the big picture, the journey through everything. He dr- you see, Joseph recognizes that God's plan is bigger. And we see in Hebrews 11, We could look and just go, oh, they're just isolated incidents of faith. Oh, yeah, Abel, he was fairly faithful. Uh, Abraham, he did some good stuff. Moses, he did good things too. Now, what are we seeing? Joseph was looking ahead. Joseph is seeing God's plan is being worked out, and it goes far beyond this moment where I'm about to die in Egypt. God's got a plan that is going to take you back out of here. You're going to go into the land and beyond. There's a plan that's continually being worked out. Joseph realized it's not just, oh, well, I've got to here. No, this goes way beyond. And so Joseph knows, this is not where I belong. God has a lamb for us, so one day you're going there, so take me with you. Take my bones with you. In Hebrews 11, we see this story panned out. It's not just, it's so tempting just to read them one by one. We've, we've done that a bit and, and there's stuff to be learned. But at the same time, we see a story mapped out. It's a journey. So far, we've done the journey effectively of the whole of the book of Genesis. From creation through Abel and Enoch to Noah and the flood to Abraham called out. God promises him, I've got a great plan, Abraham, and we're going on a journey through these men, through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph to Egypt. And it's going to carry on into Exodus. Moses and his parents, and Moses leading the people out, and on and on and on. God's got a great big picture, a great big plan, a great big story that doesn't just focus on the lifetime of one man in one generation. So what we see the writer to the Hebrews drawing our attention to is Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph blessing the next generation. Worshipping as they come to their earthly end, but looking to the future beyond their lifetime. And Joseph saying, God will bring you out, and when he does, take my bones. Perhaps it doesn't really affect what the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, but let's just turn to Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19. 
those 400 years later. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. They still had them. Through all the ups and downs of Egypt, through all the actual despair by the end, through all that actually when Moses came and actually it seemed like everything was getting harder. Moses, what are you doing? You're causing trouble for us. Actually, still somewhere there. We've got Joseph Bones. He said we should take them with him when we go. God is going to come one day and he's going to take us out. And to complete the story, Joshua 32, we see... Joshua 32, is that right? I don't think there is a Joshua 32. Joshua 24, verse 32. Joshua 24 and verse 32. Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob brought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. And this became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. We see Joseph spoke by faith. One day you're going to go. And we see actually it's an illustration. God's got this big Big picture, big story that is carrying on from generation to generation. Joseph said, promise me you'll take my bones. 400 years later, the bones are going with them. God's still holding on. God has got a plan that is going to carry on. And this is what he draws our attention to. We can be reminded of what our author has already said in Hebrews 11 verse 9 onwards. Talking about Abraham at this point, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful and who had made the promise. So from this man... One man and him as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And what does he say? All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We're reminded and we see faith in a big picture. Faith that goes beyond their own life. We see Isaac and Jacob drawn into the same story as Abraham there. And we see as their lives draw to an end... they've still got clear in their mind, this is the plan of God. This is the promise of God. This will go on and on and on. And God will do what he has said he will do. Jacob can look back and say, God has been faithful through all the ups and downs, through all the mess. God has been faithful and he's going to continue to be faithful. And we join the original readers and being reminded of this story playing out. 
God's plan of salvation through this family from one man and him as good as dead. And we recognize we're caught up in this same story, this same promise that we can now say we have a sure and certain hope, ultimately, that goes beyond our earthly life. It goes on into eternity. We're caught up in the same story as Gav interpreted earlier. It's the same God, the same God as Moses and Elijah had, the same God that Abraham called on and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and on and on through the centuries. And yes, in one sense, we look back to the wonder of the cross. They were only looking forward. We look back to the wonder of the cross, his death, his resurrection. But we also look forward, like them, Jesus is coming back. One day the kingdom will come in all its fullness. And on that final day, yes, there we will see the completion of God's plan. So by faith we carry on. Like Isaac, like Jacob, like Joseph. Right to the end. Amen.